wonder if you caught the news this week about a chap called Lloyd Scott. Does anyone know who Lloyd Scott is? He's the man, you probably remember him when I start talking about him, he's the man who recently did the London Marathon dressed as Brian the Snail from the Magic Roundabout. Um, You might have seen this. Um, It took him 27 days to do the London Marathon because he crawled it at a snail's pace. Um, Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, uh, he made the headlines this week because the charity he was working with let him go. It seems um, quite an unfortunate situation. But this is a man who... um, He'd previously um, did the Edinburgh Marathon in 2002 dressed in one of those heavy diver's suits. It's quite an iconic picture, iconic marathon picture of him. He also, this is probably my favourite, he also did an underwater marathon, um, 26 miles on the bottom of Loch Ness. Um, This man is clearly somebody who likes to do things slowly. um, And... (laughs) who is not afraid of a challenge. And I just thought, uh, he's quite a good introduction to what we're talking about today. Uh, Finding life in creative ways. The title may suggest that I've been asked to talk about this because I am someone who has already found life, found the life of God. Well, I say, I want to put in a bit of a disclaimer. I'm not here because I am the most spiritual Christian that Keith could find, Um, I know, I'm getting a few dismayed faces. Jeremy is upset at this. Um, For me, I have to say, you know, God often feels more like a distant pen pal than he does my best friend who I can dwell with every day. God feels like someone I'm chasing, someone who I can never keep up with, someone who I haven't grasped. Um, I feel like I live my life in pursuit of God's life, not necessarily having found him. He doesn't turn up whenever I want him. He doesn't fit my schedule and he's not convenient um, in the way that I'd like him to be. But I think that's where, where many of us find ourselves, in the pursuit of God, but not having quite felt like we've really got this life with God thing in abundance. Um, So, finding life in creative ways. Um, Before you think I'm going to ramp up the guilt this morning and point the finger and say, we should all be having better lives with God and better devotional lives and all of that, um, I want to um, just alleviate some of that. It comes in the form of a question. How do we know God? How do we know God? We know God because he's chosen to make himself known. That is very, very important. We know God not because we're impressive or because we're important or because we're worthy. It's not because we were good enough, but it's because God wants to be known and he has come and lived among us and he's given us the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. That is why you know God. Not because we were clever enough or spiritual enough to find him. He's given us life. He's poured his life into this world. And when we talk about finding life, we're talking about tapping into that potential that he's already unleashed. Yeah? 
tapping into what's already there. So this morning we're thinking about how we can go deeper in our knowing of God. This in many ways builds on what uh, Ruth Hetler brought um, a few weeks ago back on the May bank holiday weekend when she talked about Genesis 26 and Isaac unblocking the wells of his father, of moving from famine and unblocking wells, digging new ones. And Ruth talked about finding life in God, making sure our wells were clear um, and filled with the Spirit. So this life with God, building on from there, it isn't something that we conjure up. It isn't something we conjure up. We're going to start by thinking about Jesus' words in John 10, verse 10. Where Jesus talks about, he's talking about being the gate to the people, um, to the sheep. And he talks about how the enemy comes to steal and destroy But he has come to give life and life to the full. That is God with us life. That life that he's talking about, it's a big theme of John's gospel. And it's the sort of life Jesus means which is imperishable, which is spiritual, which is unceasing. That life is eternal life, but it's also available now. And that life of God, the one which we yearn for and we're seeking after, is available for every moment of your life. It's available for every facet of your timetable and what you do with your days. That life with God is for now. The thing is, that life with God doesn't just fall into our laps. It's not as if we become a Christian and suddenly we know how to live with God day by day, doing that perfectly, being in perfect relationship with him. God does generously give us his life. Like I say, the fact that we know him is based on what he has given us. But there's also something where we have to pursue him and we have to chase his life. And it takes our choices, and it's often slow and gradual. Feels like a 27-day marathon. Becoming like Jesus is taking me a while. (laughs) Don't know about you. (laughs) So today we're going to think, how can we access that life with God? Uh, In the next few weeks, we'll be going into a series on worship, on going deep with God and worshipping in all of our lives. And... Just wanted to open up the theme of spiritual disciplines for us today. Now, then, mm, you might see the word discipline. I don't know what that conjures up um, for you. It might sort of evoke thoughts of having to learn and recite tables of grammar or something and being told off. Um, Discipline generally has quite a negative um, connotation, but I hope to undo some of that today to show us that the spiritual disciplines are a way of finding life, um, not finding rule. There's a difference between wanting to live a good life by doing everything right and genuinely living a good life. Um, Many of us are keen to move forward in our life with God by 
because we want to do the right thing and we want to do the things that please God, sometimes that can become a bit of a burden where we're just motivated by looking good and ticking the boxes and controlling God. And that is not what this is about. This is about living a genuinely good life, which is built in relationship. Relationship can't be controlled or coerced. Where our life with God isn't an add-on to make us look good or make us okay with other Christians. We're talking about going deeper today. That's what the spiritual disciplines are about. So if there's any part of you that's going, okay, tell me how to do it. Tell me how to access life with God and I'll go away and I'll do it. Just maybe put that thought to one side and take a minute in your heart to look at God, to look at the cross, to look differently at the idea of living uh, with a disciplined life. So the spiritual disciplines don't promise to solve the mystery of how we access and live with God. Um, But they do promise uh, great richness. Um, There's a book by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline that is about spiritual disciplines and is really a classic on the issue. And um, a lot of what I am saying today has um, been born out of his reflections. Um, He says there's a great need in the world today, not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. That's what we're aiming for, hey? So the spiritual disciplines are about loving God and finding his life. Not rules, but life givers. And they're never about self-promotion. And they're never about earning reward. So examples of the spiritual disciplines to give us an idea, we'll come on to more of this in a minute, um, are things like fasting, um, meditation, generosity, using art. They might incorporate the Bible, but they're not all about reading. And they can be enjoyed. (laughs) Spiritual disciplines, yeah, uh, yeah, hushed, not quite sure about that yet. The spiritual disciplines might be helpful in um, helping us to overcome some of the materialism um, or the superficiality or the busyness that our society is saturated in. Um, Going deeper with God and using the spiritual disciplines in our life is a bit It's a bit like the difference between going on a series of amazing dates with God and being married to him. So we could have a few amazing dates where, I don't know, we came to a conference or a church meeting or something and um, our socks were blown off and we just had the most fabulous time. There's a difference between that sort of one-off kind of experience with God and being married to him. Um, being married to God is about being faithful and being his lifelong companion wanting to live a life out of Mark 12 30 loving God with our heart our soul our mind and our strength so the spiritual disciplines are a way of receiving grace this is good news for us we cannot 
change ourselves through willpower alone. And I'm doing an extended intro this morning to try and get rid of some of the pressure that we might put ourselves under when we think about um, finding life in God. And one of them is that willpower will change me. Well, it won't. God can change you. God's grace is his gift. Um, So we need him to change us. But we also don't just wait around, waiting for him to do it. With all of this, there's two things going on. There's God's life that he gives us, and there's us being open and active in receiving that. Um, It's not based on our works, but it's not based on our idleness. The spiritual disciplines... The reason I've called them a way of receiving grace is because they open us up and they give us a space to stand before God so that he can transform us. Um, Fourthly, the spiritual disciplines help us to be ready uh, for a life of service. They're not just about me and God and my great time with him. Um, They are about how we learn to love other people. And that, I think, is a really big part of what it means to find life, um, to learn how to love God and people. And they are to be practiced in all of life. God's call to know him and to be with him happens through all of our life. No part of life is unimportant to him. No part is exempt from his presence and his life. Nothing in your life is so secular that God is not interested in it. Nothing. The good news is that the spiritual disciplines can work with our personalities as well. I love this about God, that he's crafted us and is willing to work and willing to relate to us in a way which we enjoy. Um, Keep coming back to that theme. Um, But it's been quite a lot of thinking done on how our spirituality can relate to our personality. So... I hope that there's space for you in this topic this morning to think, how am I wired? And how do I, what do I find enjoyment in? And how can I find God in those parts of life um, that might feel really distant from the sort of normal church activities that you do, but are still part of God's life in you and still part of what he's wired you to enjoy? And you have freedom today to really embrace that and say, that is part of how I find life with God, um, through the things that I enjoy. The spiritual disciplines, I should just say, are not just for spiritually mature people. Um, They can be for everyone. I'm a beginner in all of this. They're just as much for new believers as they are for those who've been Christians a long time. All that is required is that we want to know God more. Um, That's why you would take up a spiritual discipline. The spiritual disciplines are a bit like exercise. Um, That might 
help you warm to them. It might not. Um, <laughs> depends on how you feel about exercise. Personally, I really love exercise. Um, well, no. Exercise for me has um, a kind of double sort of uh, double set of feelings associated with it. When I am actually running, say I've gone to the gym and I'm running, um, approximately every 20 seconds I will look at the timer on the machine and think, is it over yet? Is it over yet? No! It's still only 20 seconds later. Is it over yet? So for however long that I run for, um, I am permanently thinking, is this over yet? But having said that, it's uh, not just a hate-hate relationship with... Uh, with exercise I do uh, really really enjoy the feeling after you've been for a good run that I have to say is one of the points at at which I feel most alive Um, that's when I do my best thinking that's when um, I feel most energised exercise um, we all know the benefits of exercise it doesn't always feel good when you're in it but it is good for you uh, in the long run Um, Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday and stumbled across the new Kung Fu Panda um, trailer. <laughs> Has anyone seen it? The new movie, Kung Fu Panda 2. Ah, is it any good? Yeah? <laughs> Recommended. Kung Fu Panda 2 out this week. Uh, I was thinking about Poe, and uh, I don't know if you've seen that film, but the, um, the panda who is reluctantly trained up to um, be a ninja um, and never quite get rid, gets rid of his massive gut. Maybe that's how we feel <laughs> um, in our approach to spiritual exercise. Um, a bit reluctant sometimes. But um, yeah, uh, I think the spiritual disciplines can be likened to exercise um, Yeah, in some form or other. It's important to remember that the spiritual disciplines, uh, such as fasting, prayer, meditation, none of them are magic formulas. So they're not ways of twisting God's arm. If I do X, God will do Y. If I fast for a week, God will sort out all of these problems. It doesn't quite work like that. There is no magic formula associated with this. The Pharisees thought they could twist God's arm by impressing him with their works. Let's not get into that. Um, they are ways of going deeper in our relationship with God and becoming more like Christ. So this discipline, discipline involves both joy and hardship. Life in God involves both joy and hardship. Exercise involves both joy and hardship. Jesus talked of the wonderful benefits of knowing him and he also talked about the reality of how much that costs. And the spiritual disciplines remind us of that. The wonderful benefit of knowing God and the fact that it's not always easy and a piece of cake. Okay. On the next slide is a list of some of the spiritual disciplines uh, that we might think about. Um, Have a look at the list. This isn't a complete list. In fact, there's no sort of formal uh, tied-down list of these are the spiritual disciplines or anything. Um, 
different people uh, recognize different ways of accessing God and that's fine it's not it's not a sort of tick list where we have to accomplish all of them um, you might looking at the list you might recognize that these disciplines they they kind of involve our whole body that's uh, why I kept talking about how our life with God affects our whole life because I think our bodies are part of that as well. So examples include enjoying God outside, fasting, worship, celebration, Sabbath, meditation, memorizing something, solitude and quiet, study, simplicity, prayer, prayer journaling, time with others, serving others, confession and generosity. Just want to uh, let us think about that. I'm not going to tell you which one, if any. Um, You might want to think about uh, bringing a little more into your life. But wanted to um, draw out um, a couple of them, just talk about them a little more. Just wanted to pause on fasting. Um, Fasting, as you will no doubt be aware, it means to abstain from something deliberately, usually food-related, but not necessarily. Um, It's worth saying that um, the Bible is rich in examples of people who fasted, um, but there's relatively little guidance in Scripture on how you do it. Um, Jesus talks about fasting, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's teaching his disciples about um, the life of God. And in Matthew 6 and verse 16 onwards, he talks about fasting. I don't know if you remember how he starts that teaching. When, yes. When you fast, and he talks about how you should not make a show of it. It's not if you fast, it is when. But there isn't a lot more guidance on how. Um, That's because everybody there knew how to fast. Fasting was part of their lives. They they knew how to prepare for a fast. They knew how to break a fast. They knew um, how to avoid being dizzy um, and tired in a fast. It was just part of their lives. So he didn't. There isn't a lot of guidelines on how we do it. Um, same goes for Jesus' teaching on prayer and worship. Um, it was part of life. So there isn't a lot of guidance. But um, but as I say, fasting was common in the Bible, and we do see a few different examples of how people engaged in fasting. Jesus himself fasted for 40 days uh, in the desert, you remember. Um, some people engaged in a full fast, which would be everything except uh, fasting everything except water. Um, some engaged in a partial fast. Daniel um, is an example of someone who we see engaging in a partial fast. In chapter 10, it says that Daniel ate no choice food. Uh, he ate no meat and drank no wine for three weeks, during which time a vision and a revelation was given to him. Um, Esther was someone who took an extreme fast, and for three days she ate no food and drank no water. That's how long your body can last without water. Um, In Acts 13, uh, we see the early believers using fasting as a way of helping them to make a decision, uh, kind of clearing out their minds, I guess, and getting some clarity. There are lots of purposes for fasting. The first one, 
absolutely is to centre ourselves on God and be part of our worship to him, part of seeking him. But there are other benefits. Fasting might um, reveal some of the things that control us, our compulsions, um, might help us see things more clearly, might help us see our character more clearly. Um, Fasting helps us, therefore, to be transformed into the image of Christ, I think. It gives us a chance to think about what we really need and helps us to feed on God uh, and work out what it means for God to be our daily bread. Um, Fasting helps us keep a balance. It it really helps us to work out the essential from the non-essential. That's also true when we do fasts of certain things like TV or the internet or the media. Um, Richard Foster, I like this idea. He talks about fasting billboards. Um, this, uh, he lives in America um, where there are uh, billboards everywhere. And um, he says he uses the billboard fast as a way of um, kind of helping him challenge the message that the billboards are permanently giving him of, you need more, you need more, you need more. And he says he inverts it, and every time he sees a billboard, he would say, say, no, I need less, less, less. Challenge the message of the billboard by doing a billboard fast. Um, Other benefits of fasting might include concentration or uh, freedom in prayer or helping us break through a difficult issue. Um, to quote Richard Foster again he says in his chapter on fasting that our stomachs are like a spoiled child and this this isn't a very easy thing to hear our stomachs are like a spoiled child he says what do you do with a spoiled child you don't indulge them you discipline them Um, I know that's true that's true of my stomach Uh, my stomach cries out to me constantly feed me I need your attention My relationship with sugar particularly shows me that my stomach thinks it's in control. And, um, you know, uh, constant little natterings of, give me chocolate. (laughs) It's not true, I don't need chocolate. I don't need chocolate to be in a good mood. I don't need chocolate to get through the afternoon or whatever it is. We need to remember that fasting is not dieting. So, need to just hold that one in our minds, it's very tempting to think, oh, I'll do a little fast and it'll help me, you know, keep in shape. Mm-mm. That's not the point. And um, we need to watch that temptation to think about it in that way. I realise that our relationship with food may be tricky for some people. Um, uh, we do need to think carefully about how we go into and whether we go into fasting. Um, whether that's, uh, we need to be very careful if we've got health conditions. Uh, if we've got diabetes or something, obviously food fasting needs to be maybe something we don't do too much of. Or if our relationship with food in general and the intake of food is not in a good place, then I don't think fasting would be for us during that time. Um, But if fasting is appropriate for you and you've never thought about it and you're thinking, okay, how do I start? Well, don't start by trying to do 40 days of fasting, please. Um, Maybe try um, fasting 24 hours between lunchtime and lunchtime. 
should mean that maybe you'd miss two meals, you'd miss tea and then breakfast the next day, and drink water during that time, and see how you go. Um, If it's very difficult, then maybe try one meal. And try that a few times over a few weeks. And then, you know, that might, you might be more confident about doing a three-meal fast. And you can go from there. Don't know. Just an idea. Um, the second one I uh, just want to pause on is solitude and silence. Um, I love this one. Um, I really benefit from stillness. And I think that is the time when I know God most intimately, where I feel... It, it's mo- I find it easiest to hear God in quiet. And solitude, it, it prevents us from um, bringing our scatteredness into relationships with people. It just helps us to kind of wind down and find the peace of God. Um, the spiritual discipline of solitude is not about escaping other people. And we can, we can take any of these spiritual disciplines too far and use them as an excuse um, to, to, you know, to get out of relationship with people. They are meant to send us back into relationship, absolutely. Um, but it helps me love people better if I've had some time alone in quietness with God. Um, I know this one is challenging for many of us, especially those who have young children. You might be sitting there thinking, I do not know how I would build in a time of solitude and quiet to my life. We're not talking about days and days, uh, not even talking about hours. Maybe you can find 10 minutes um, when the kids are asleep or things have just hushed down um, for some quiet stillness with God um, and see what he wants to say. Um, It might be that um, a more prolonged period of quiet would be good for us just to get away and... Uh, take a weekend away somewhere very still go on retreat um, and give ourselves that space Um, thirdly how about uh, thinking and study the Christian writer A.W. Tozer said that we cannot know God by thinking alone but we can never know him very well without a lot of hard thinking We can never know God by thinking alone, but we can never know him very well without a lot of hard thinking. Um, I wonder how much thinking time are you willing to give your faith? Maybe that's something you could grow in. I've got a lot of kind of experience of being around people who are thinking in their faith, working at the college. We see a lot of people coming to grapple with their faith while they're there and giving up their time and their money um, to come and dedicate some space to thinking um, and learning to think theologically. Um, my, I just see that as a really positive experience for people. I have to say, my, my experience isn't that um, grappling with my faith makes it any simpler. Um, but to be honest, I don't think I'd want it to be that way. Um, If we're talking about depth and richness, I know that that is something that reading and study really does unlock in our relationship with God. Um, Having said that, we're not into intellectualism. Um, Our life with God isn't based on our intellectual capacity, not at all. This is about richness and depth. Um, 
If you want to know more about the college, we would love to talk to you. We have an open day in a few weeks, um, actually on the 30th of June, so not that far. Um, but if, if this is one where you think God's prodding you, mm, I could give a bit more thinking time to my faith, then maybe consider that as an option. Fourth one I want to focus on is the practice of joy and celebration. Joy underlines all of the disciplines, I think, but it's something we can specifically practice as well. Um, Practicing the spiritual discipline of celebration helps us overcome pessimism and cynicism, things that might kind of keep us tethered down. Um, For me, a big part of practicing the discipline of celebration is about wonder. And... um, there, is, there are different things that will make each of us wonder. What makes you wonder? What makes you go, and just kind of stop and be in awe? Um, I've got a picture of something that I saw in the news this week that absolutely, I, I was mesmerized by this image. You might think, meh, that's okay. Um, this is a picture of the International Space Station um, that an Italian astronaut took uh, with um, the shuttle Endeavour docked on the side as it goes around Earth. I saw that picture on the news. I sat at my desk with my jaw on the table and worshipped God. That image for me brought so much wonder and so much celebration. Um, what gives you wonder? It might be anything from the sound of children laughing to red kites soaring to making the best chocolate cake in the world. Whatever it is, what brings you wonder? Embrace those things. See those things as part of your life with God and enjoy them. Practice the discipline of celebration. Give yourself room for them. So where do we go from here? Well, really, I'd just like to encourage you to try something new. Can we have the next slide with a list back? Don't just stick with... uh, uh, Sorry, back to the list of spiritual disciplines. Thanks. Um, Don't just stick with what you've been exposed to. Consider trying something new in in ways... in the. as part of your extending your life with God and um, getting to know him better. So have a look at the list. What, what appeals to you? Uh, just pick one. Um, have a think about how you could do that uh, a bit more this week. Um, what doesn't appeal to you? Sorry to ask, but what doesn't appeal to you on the list? Maybe we need to think about those ones too. Um, if there's one particularly that we go, oh no. Oh, maybe we just need to give that a moment's more thought and think, God, would that be helpful if I engaged in that? Secondly, the spiritual disciplines, as I say, they're often connected with the rhythm of life, with our bodies, they're really earthy. Um, they They require us to draw on some patterns of life that we might not usually draw on. So, um... Some parts of us, maybe, that we wouldn't ordinarily connect with the life of God. So the next list is just some ways um, of thinking more widely about what it means to know God's life 
in our everyday lives. So using everyday opportunities, particularly, I would say, be intentional about our uh, God life at work. That would be one way of doing that. Um, Or eating. We're going to break bread. We're going to take communion together um, at the end of this morning's time. And eating, I just want you to think about that. As the bread goes down your throat and nourishes your stomach, have a think about that and how that really gives you a sense of the life of God. Our eating is spiritual, absolutely. And um, taking communion together is a sign of, of that. Um, everyday opportunities, sleeping, clothing, cleaning, how do you see holiness in them? Where is God in those things for you? Um, maybe using unusual times of day, like um, getting up early or staying up late to pray. Using our sense of beauty, our bodies, our emotions, our sense of wonder, our memory, using language, dreams, creativity. What I'm trying to get at is that the whole of our life um, is part of this life of God. So there's, yeah, there's just nothing that's off limits. So um, you have permission to draw those things in to uh, your spiritual life, not to see them as separate. You have permission to know yourself and to know what brings you joy and to go with that, to work with it, to find life there. How would you finish the sentence? I feel most alive when? I feel most alive when? That, the answer to that question, is part of God's life in you. Part of what he's created. Whatever the answer is, how can you cultivate it? How can you cultivate that in your life? How can you draw other people into enjoying that with you? How can you make space for that? amongst all of your responsibilities. So God can be found in a variety of ways. And this morning has uh, been about helping us to think whether we would want to try a few new ones, really. Not just sticking with what we've been exposed to or what our routines allow for, but to enjoy the creativity of God and being creative with him. I'm going to hand over to the students at this point who are going to come and lead us in communion. Whatever um, spiritual discipline may be or idea has popped into your head about what you'd like to um, do in your life with God and how you might see that growing, um, just hold that. Bring that to the communion table. And then we're going to have a chance to pray with one another afterwards. to ask for God's grace to come in through those ways.